So, uh, yeah, pretty cool video. And um, there were many on our tech team, worship team, wondering how are we going to make a transition from incredible worship to that? So I'm not sure we did a really good job with that, but anyway, it was you know funny, so thanks for in- engaging that video there. Now, today we are in week two of our parenting series, a series we started last week, and I can't think of a more important subject when it comes to raising kids who later make a positive impact in our world. You know, when I watch the news and I see some of the heartbreaking stories on the news, there are moments that I wonder, what would godly parenting have done in that situation? You know, how could the influence of some godly parents in that person's life change the outcome of that story? Now, you know, godly parenting isn't going to change every story that's out there, but I think it can make a lot of changes in a lot of individuals' lives, which obviously then impact a lot of other people. So the subject of parenting, I think, is incredibly important, whether you have kids, little kids, grown kids, hope to have kids, don't have kids, but uh, know someone who does. Every one of us has influence over someone else. Every one of us has a certain amount of influence over children and who they become as they grow older. Now, parents have the greatest influence over kids and who they become, but we all have a measure of influence, and so we all need to learn how to leverage that influence in a way that really sets kids up to live a life that honors God and loves people. So as we begin today, I just wanted to tell you something that I thought was kind of funny, and it comes from last week. So last week, we had a parent-child dedication, and it was in our second service. And when we do that, I send out some information to those who sign up for that, and I ask them to do some homework. So do some prep work to get prepared for what child dedication really is all about. Because for us at Epic, it's more about parent dedication than it is child dedication. It's more about us as parents saying, I will live the life that I want my kids to live. So that's what it's about. One of the verses that I encourage parents to read is Psalms 127, verse 3, which says, children are a gift from the Lord. So I want parents to understand that kids are an incredible gift from God. But here's the verse that I sent out for folks to check out this past week. Psalms 124, verse 3. Check this one out. Slightly different. It says, they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. So if you did your homework as parents and read this, just so you know, correction, I'm not saying that your kids will swallow you alive in their burning anger. All right, so you know, hopefully your kids aren't that angry. Anyway, you might not have thought that was funny, but I thought it was kind of funny. So thanks for bearing with me on that one. All right, today's message is going to be a continuation of last week's message when we started looking at a parenting principle found in Proverbs. And then next week, we're going to look at the role of discipline and how does discipline affect our kids and how do we approach discipline in a way that honors God. And then the week after that, we're going to look at resolving family conflict, something I know all of us are very familiar with. We said last week that we enter parenting in different ways. So some of us planned on parenting. 
We decided it was time. There were others of us, we didn't plan on it. God may have planned it, but we didn't plan it, and and we found ourselves kind of kicking and screaming as we came into that role. We have single parents, we have adoptive parents, we have step-parents, we have foster parents, we even have grandparents who thought they were done parenting young children and yet find themselves in that parenting role again. So we come into parenting in different ways. But regardless of how we have gotten into this role of parenting, we all need help. And we need a little bit more help than Dr. Phil can, can offer, or maybe even Oprah can offer. We need help. Parenting is one of the most challenging assignments on planet Earth. One of the hardest things that you can do as a parent is to raise a kid who will love God and love people. So we need some help. And the great thing is that God provides us some great help in the Bible. Now, last week, we started by looking at this parenting principle found in Proverbs 6.22. And we're looking at this from the New King James Version of the Bible. I like the wording of that a little bit better than our New Living Translation. So this is what it says in Proverbs 6.22. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old... He will not depart from it. Now, last week, we spent most of our time on the first two words in that verse, train up. And we're going to pick up there today, and then we're going to unpack the rest of that verse. Now, I'm just curious. Does anyone remember the main takeaway from last week's message? It was the bottom line, the one thing I wanted you to remember. It was the one sentence. One sentence. If you remembered that, you're doing well. Anybody remember? This is just a test of my teaching abilities. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, we got a couple of hands. I see one hand here. Lisa. That is an incredible principle. That's awesome. That wasn't it, though. Sorry. <laughs> one. Starts with us. Okay, can you put it together in the package? Ah, oh, you did it. Way to go. Give a round of applause. All right, so I have bag of Jolly Ranchers for you. Can you make sure that this gets back to her? I'm going to launch this, so please be ready. Okay, ready? Here we go. Everybody awake and ready. I don't want anybody getting a concussion. These are hard candy, okay? Here we go. Oh, sorry. Well, now we have some broken candy that everybody can share. All right, so last week's bottom line, the main takeaway was training up my kids starts with me. So it starts with me. I can't lead my kids somewhere that I'm not going. If I want my kids to head in a certain direction in life, I need to be on that path ahead of them. I need to guide them in that direction. They need to follow my lead, not just follow my words. So training up our kids starts with us. Now, today I want to start with our bottom line for the day. So again, if you want to write this down, if this is the one thing that you remember, you're doing great. Um, if you fall asleep, if you get bored, if you have to leave early, this is it, all right? This is the bottom line of the message today. Training my kids takes time and intentionality. So training my kids takes time and intentionality. And we're going to unpack that together today. Now, I am wearing my workout clothes today for several reasons. One, I've been trying to figure out how to wear sweatpants to church for a long time, and today I thought I could make it work. And two is, I, I'm wearing this to be a reminder 
And I've got some of these props up here on the stage to be a reminder to all of us that if you're a parent, your primary job is to be a trainer of your kids. So if you think about physical training, that's your job as a parent, to be a personal trainer to each of your children. That's your primary task by God. We have a responsibility to train our kids, to coach our kids, to guide our kids, to instruct our kids, to teach our kids how to have a real passionate relationship with God. So we have to be trainers as we interact with our kids. Now, when I think of the words train up, I think coaching, I think sports, and I love athletics, I love sports, and so that's, that's normally where my mind goes when I read that verse of training up our kids. For the past six months or so, I have played uh, the role of a coach for one of my daughters on her volleyball team. And my job in that six months that we were together is to help my daughter and to help the players on that team become the best volleyball players they can be in the context of the time that we have together. Now, I tried to do that in several different ways. There were several tactics that I used as a coach to try to help these girls become the best that they could be. I tried to do that through teaching the skills that were needed. So it's obvious if if you understand athletics, you have to understand how to do the skill that's necessary. In the game of volleyball, the skills are very specific to volleyball. And so we'd go over skills on a regular basis. And then I would use drills to reinforce those skills. Things that I wanted the girls to to be able to do, we would run many drills that would help reinforce the thing that I was looking for. And then I would do that through pointing out when one of my players was doing something that they shouldn't be doing or doing something incorrectly. So if it was a body position, the arm's in the wrong spot, then I would point out, hey, this is how we do that, let me teach you, and I would adjust their body in the context of that drill or that skill. I would also coach them through this thing called self-evaluation. So I would stop practice, and if someone had just done something in a drill, maybe they had done it incorrectly, I would stop practice and say, tell me what you did wrong and tell me how to fix it. And if they could answer those two questions, I know that when they're in that scenario again and I'm on the sideline as a coach and I'm not able to, to, to stop the game and come out, I know that they understand what they did and then they know how to fix it. If they know those two things, there's a greater chance that they're going to change that activity in their lives later. If they don't know that, if they don't know what they did wrong, or they don't know how to fix it, then there's no guarantee they're going to do any better next time. they just probably make the same mistake. So if they understand what they did and how to fix it, then that'll help them greatly. Another thing that most coaches use is this thing called repetition. One of the guys in my men's group reminded me of this statement here recently. He said, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. I thought that was a great principle for coaching as well as for parenting. So when it comes to my girls on the volleyball team, I want to run drills so often that when they get into a game, it just becomes second nature for them. That it's a habit. They have done this drill so many times. They get in this scenario, they know what to do. I do not want my players to stop in the middle of a game and go, what should I do next? You know, I'm not sure. The ball's coming this direction, and I'm not sure. Should I be in this position or this position? How should I pass the ball? If they're thinking like that, then it's way too late. They're going to be three seconds too late, and they're going to mess up the play. 
So I want them to do instinctively what they've been taught to do over and over and over and over and over. And coach, do we have to do again? Yes, and over and over and over. Why? Because when you do it over and over and over, your body remembers, your brain remembers, you get in that spot, what do you do? The same thing you've always done. When it comes to parenting, that's what I want for my kids. You know, as my kids are growing older and they navigate life and they get into scenarios where I'm not able to be there as often, I'm not able to be in that spot and, and provide some real life coaching in that moment, I want my kids to be able to say, well, let's see, what do I do in this scenario? I do what mom and dad taught me to do. They taught me over and over and over. And dad, do we have to do it again? Yes, over and over and over and over. I want them to instinctively do what they've been taught to do on a consistent basis. Now, as you look at that and the concept of parenting and influencing kids, it takes large amounts of time, takes large amounts of being very purposeful, very intentional in our parenting if we're going to parent our kids that way. Now, the next two words in that verse are a child. So we're starting with children and we're training them to be adults. And that's the goal. As kids leave our homes, we want them to be adults. We want them to be responsible, productive adults that enter society, make an impact in our world. When my kids leave my home, I do not want to send just big kids into the world. We have enough of them already. I want to send out into our world responsible, productive adults, people who love God and will love other people. That's what I want for my kids as they, they leave my home. Now, it'd be easy, looking at the context of this verse, it'd be easy to assume that when it says a child, we're always talking about a little child. But the original Hebrew language, the word that was chosen there can mean infant, it can mean toddler, it can mean elementary school age, it can mean preteen, teenager, or young adult. There are moments that we think, you know, once my child turns 18, I'm done and they're out, they're on their own. But our influence as parents is not done at that point. We may shift our role from trainer to advisor, but our role as parent, our influence over our children never stops. It never stops. It continues on whether our kids are four or 40. It continues on. We always have influence over our kids, no matter how old they are. Now, the next part of this verse says, train up a child in the way that he should go. I think there are two parts to that, in the way that he should go. There's a God part, and then there's an internal wiring part. We're going to start with the God part. So we have a responsibility to teach our kids how to have a strong relationship with God. And like we said from last week, it starts with us. We have to have a strong relationship with God or be working on a strong relationship with God if we expect our kids to follow in behind us and have their own strong relationship with God one day. So we start with us, and we have to help our kids get to know God. We have to help our kids have a relationship with God. Now, you can't force your kids to have a relationship with God. Now, I can force my kids to come to church. I can't force my kids to have a relationship with God, and I would never want to do that. You know, I want my kids to be able to make that decision as they're navigating life. But here's one of the things that I hear parents talk about, some parents talk about when it comes to issues of faith for their children. Well, I'm just going to let my kids make up their mind what they want to do with issues of faith. 
And I get that. That principle makes sense to me if those are older children, much older, like high school about to graduate or grown adult children. That makes sense. If someone has come to know Jesus later in life, their children are already grown, it makes sense that we would say, hey, I just want to present some information. I've met Jesus. He's changed my life, and I I want you to meet him too. It makes sense that then we would allow our kids to have that, that opportunity to make that decision. But if you have young children at home, I don't think you should give your young kids the opportunity to decide what they're going to do with issues of faith. It's kind of like this. I don't think any of us would say this, all right? So it's just an illustration. I don't think any of us would say to our young children, listen, dinner time, like, you get to make the decision. You want to eat a you know, bowl of sugar? It's great. You, know, you want to eat a bowl full of candy? Your decision. It's up to you. You want to eat a healthy meal? doesn't matter. It's, it's your decision. You decide whatever you want to decide. We wouldn't say that in, in the context of health issues for our kids. We'd say, no, that's terrible. I mean, that'd be a horrible way to live your life. Your teeth are going to rot out. You're going to have bad health. You'll probably die young. Like, no. So we would not allow that to happen for our kids when it comes to issues of health. We shouldn't allow that to, to happen with our kids when it comes to issues of faith. It's way more important. The Bible teaches that everyone will live forever somewhere, either with God or apart from God. I want my kids with God. So I want to teach them the best that I can what it means to have a real relationship with the creator of the universe who loves them deeply. Now, when they get out on their own, they're going to make their own decisions about how they navigate that. But until then, it's my responsibility to train them in how to have a great relationship with God. With God. Now listen to Deuteronomy 6. This is a verse that we looked at last week, but this week we're going to look at it through the message paraphrase. It's talking to parents. It says, parents, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. I love this language. Get them inside of you. Like, get that stuff deep inside of you. So when you get in those moments, you're not sure what to do. You do what you know to do because you've looked at that and God's talked to you about that over and over and over and over again. You instinctively do what God wants you to do because it's inside you. And then get that inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, walking on the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall in bed at night, when you're dropping your kids off at school, when you're going to Walmart, when you're going shopping, when you're picking your kids up. No matter wherever you go, every aspect of our parenting is an opportunity to teach our kids the ways of God. Now, I call those moments teachable moments. And if you've heard me talk about teachable moments, you know that I love teachable moments for you and my kids, but I hate them for me. Like, I don't like when teachable moments come along for me. That's not fun. I don't like to be in that spot. My kids love teachable moments for me, but they don't like them for themselves. But I tell my kids on a fairly consistent basis that everything is a teachable moment. Everything. Everything is an opportunity to learn how to follow God or love him in a new way. Everything in life is an opportunity for us to learn something through a teachable moment. Now, some of the teachable moments that come into our family in the context of my relationship with my kids happens when my kids do something they shouldn't. And my kids aren't perfect. And they're, they're like me. 
They're not perfect. I mess up. And they mess up. So there are moments that you know, Tammy and I, we try to leverage those moments with our kids. If they, they mess up in some way, I want them to learn from that. I want them to learn like, hey, what happened? What could you do next time? I want them to learn some valuable lessons so that next time they navigate that in a little different way. It's similar to all of us. So mistakes do provide opportunities for teachable moments, but teachable moments come more with just life. As life unfolds, as that verse talked about, as we just navigate life, that's when teachable moments arise. Just uh, last week, my son and I were, eight-year-old son, Cody, we were out front, we were pulling weeds, and uh, I pulled out a weed, and he was pulling out weeds with me, and we were kind of having fun together with that, and I, I pulled out this weed, and there was this root system, I said, Cody, come look at this, and so we looked at the root system, we talked about how that's how the plant gets water and nutrients for it to, to live, and how cool our God is to make something like that, so we we're just kind of in awe and wonder of our great God and how he's created plants for, to, to survive, and we pulled out some plants that were pretty easy to pull out. And I said, you know, why do you think those are so easy to pull out? And we kind of discovered that they don't have a deep root system. And then we got a few weeds that were a little bit harder to pull out. And I found one and said, Cody, like, pull that out, man. Let me see your muscles. So he went at it and he's yanking and yanking and couldn't get it out. So we talked about how that plant had a deeper root system. And it made me think of a verse in Colossians chapter 2. Verse six, it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So we talked about that and we talked about how we can grow our roots deep in our relationship with God. And so we were brainstorming together out there, just kind of working. I said, Cody, like, what do you think we could do to grow our relationship with God stronger, to allow our roots to grow deeper, kind of like these plants and these, these weeds that we're pulling out? He said, I got it, Dad. We can drink lots of water. It's like, yeah, 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 kind of. And so we brainstormed a little bit more, and, and we got several things. We thought, you know what, we could keep having conversations like these where we keep learning together about what it means to follow God. We could read our Bible. We could spend time reading our Bible more together and applying the truths that we find there. And we could go to church and we could hang out at places where the Bible is taught. And as we do that and learn and apply those things, our roots will probably go stronger so that, you know, as the storms of life come one day, like we'll have a deep root system. And as the storms of life come and hit us, it won't be so easy to pull us out of our groundedness and our relationship with God. Now, that was about a 15, 20-minute conversation. It was fantastic. And will Cody remember that conversation? I doubt it. I doubt, you know, when he's in his 40s, he'll look back and one day my dad told me this story about roots and, wow, it had a major impact in my life. I doubt he'll remember that. And I don't care if he does. What I want Cody and what I want all my kids to remember is that we had many conversations like that, thousands of conversations. I want my kids to look back and say, you know what? My mom and dad always look for an opportunity to leverage a situation into a conversation about God, an opportunity for us to learn what it means to live in a real relationship with him every day. That's what I want for my kids. And one of the best ways that we found to leverage teachable moments is around the dinner table. So my kids and my, my family... We get together 
um, most nights of the week we're eating dinner together. Now, it's getting harder to do that as kids are in high school and their, their calendars are, are getting full, but there are many nights of the week we sit around the dinner table together and we're having spiritual conversations. And Tammy and I try to leverage as many teachable moments as possible. We try to create meaningful dinner discussions. If I've read something in the Bible that morning, that morning, or Tammy's read something in the Bible, either something we're excited about, something we're not exactly sure about, like we'll open the Bible at the table while we're eating and say, hey, kids, like, here's a Bible verse. Like, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think it means? And we'll talk about that for a little while. If we've seen a video, a powerful video, we'll show that video and then discuss the effects of that. Many times we get into major conversations related to something going on in the news. So if there's something happening in the news, we'll talk about that and say, how do you think God wants us to interact with that? What do you think God is doing in the midst of that scenario? So, and obviously the news provides all kinds of opportunities for us to have spiritual conversations. One time we gathered from each other a list of questions that we each wanted to ask each other. So we just kind of brainstormed, like, what would you want to know about each other? And we brainstormed all these questions. We wrote them all down on three-by-fives cards. We called it the box game. We put it in this little box. And then at dinner, we would open up the box. Everybody would get a card. And then they had to answer that question that night. Whatever it said on that card, they had to answer. And I, one of the nights, we got into this conversation uh, through this one question. I'm not exactly sure how it went, but it went something like this. Describe a member of your family. Describe their personality related to an animal's personality, which is kind of a strange thing. So bear with me, all right? So my kids described me. Here's what they said. Dad, right now, you are like a hibernating bear that someone just woke up. <laughs> that spoke volumes to me. Like, whoa. So like, I'm like angry a lot, and I'm like taking that out on everybody? They said, yeah, that's what you've been like lately. But that was a major moment for me. Say, so, you know what? I've got to like, do some work. Like, that's not okay. I don't want to be the hibernating bear. I don't want to be like that. Now, before you have any visions of our family in these holy moments around our din dinner table, let me set the record straight, okay? Many nights, we try to start a spiritual conversation, and it doesn't go well. Many nights, I grab my Bible, I open it on the table, and I see my kids roll their eyes. <laughs> I got homework to do. I want to go out. I want to watch a movie. I got a video game to play. Like, they don't want to engage it. There was one night we were having a conversation. I had this book open, and we're going through this thing, and they're giggling and goofing and, and you know, just like irritated. They were awaking the hibernating bear, <laughs> and they were not engaging. I got so mad. I slammed the book shut and said, we're done. It's over. And the kids kind of got the clue. Oops, he's awake now. And they tried to engage me back in the conversation, and my stance was, no, we're not talking about God right now because I'm angry. <laughs> and that became my teachable moment as God said, okay, so like, you're not going to extend grace to your kids, and you're not going to have a God conversation with them because you're a little frustrated right now because it didn't go your way. So that became my moment. Like, oh, okay, I am a loser. Let me go back in the cave and hide for a while. So there are many moments that our kids don't engage, many moments. But there are a few moments that our kids engage and they engage deeply. And several hours later, after dinner has started, we're still having a great God conversation. And those moments are priceless. I want my kids to remember those moments. 
They're priceless. And we have to fight through all the nonsense and all the goofiness and all the chaos to even get to those moments because training up our kids, it takes time. And it takes very intentional parenting. It takes time and intentionality to train our kids in ways that honor God. Now, for those of you who might like to try something like that at your house, a dinner conversation, maybe that's something you already do, but if you're not familiar with that, if you'd like to try that, on the back of our Spiritual Growth Challenge, something that we hand out each week or you can download from our website, I've got a list of questions, just a a great little sample. You could just ask through these questions. It's a guided conversation for you. So if you'd like to do that, you can pick one up at our Connection Center before you leave today or later today, download our spiritual growth challenge off of our website. Now, the second part of this verse, the second part of this thing that says, train up our kids in the way they should go, it involves their internal wiring, how they are made by God. You see, we enter the world already hardwired in so many ways. And we used to think that we came into the world as blank slates, but that's not the reality. We come into the world with this hardwiring. God has hardwired each one of us with personality, temperaments, gifts, talents that are already there before we're born. They happen as we come into life. Now, we as parents have an opportunity to to help those things grow or we can squelch those things in our kids' lives. But our job is to discover those things and to help our kids flourish. And part of our job as a trainer of our kids is to recognize that our kids are not the same. They are not. As I, I look at our four kids, they are very different. They've got similarities for sure. But each individual has a unique personality and unique gifts and unique talents. And our job as trainers is to discover what those things are and to help them be the best them they can be. That's the thing that I'm after with my kids. I want them to know themselves. I want them to know God first, to know God deeply, to know that God has uniquely and wonderfully made them. I don't want them spending all their time in comparison to other people. Well, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. I don't want them comparing themselves to each other. There are a lot of us that are stuck. You may be still here today, stuck under this weight of you're not like your older brother or you're not like your younger sister. If that's a weight that you carry, I'm so sorry that that's a weight that you carry. That never should have been placed on you. You are your own unique individual. And God has placed within you unique wiring that he wants to flourish. And he wants to use that to make a significant impact in the world. So our job as parents is to discover that in our kids and help them live that out. If our kids can leave our homes loving God deeply and knowing who they are and being really content and happy with how God's wired them, we've done a great job in our parenting. So let me just ask, how are you doing at intentionally parenting your kids? How are you doing at that? How are you doing at spending quality time with them to discover how they are uniquely wired? How are you doing at helping them follow God's path? How are you doing at helping them discover their own path that they're on and how to become the best them that they can be? Now, for those of you who would like to know, wouldn't it be great to know, wouldn't it be great to get some feedback as a parent For those of you who are brave enough to ask those questions, I have a short parent evaluation form that I brought. And it's at the back of each seating section, there's a giving box, and it's close to the giving box, a little half sheet of paper. 
And if you're brave enough, I encourage you to take one of these and to give it to your child and ask your child to rate you. Okay? Now, if you have infants, it's going to be a little bit hard. So, you know, obviously your kids need to be able to engage it. Um, if, if you have infants, and just process it through for yourself. But if your kids are old enough to engage, again, whether they're four or they're 40 or beyond, your grown kids out of the house, you can still look back at your parenting and ask them to give some feedback on that. As your kids are growing right now, you can ask them to give some feedback for that. It could make a great dinner conversation. And here's what I encourage you to do. If you're going to do this, only do this if you're giving your kids full permission to speak honestly. If you don't want to hear the full truth, don't give it to them. You're not going to get good results anyway. But if you really want to know, if you're really interested, if you really want feedback on how you're doing, give this to your kids and then zip your lip. All right? It's going to be tempting for you to go, well, here's why I do that and here's why I do that. Uh Uh-uh. Not the context. And I got to fight that too. I've started this process with my kids already. I've given this to my kids. We've had a few conversations already. I found myself doing that. Well, they said, um, hey, here's one thing you do. Tell us to stop cleaning so much. Well, that's not going to (laughs) happen. So don't do that, okay? Just listen. Listen to what they have to say. Now, next week, I'm going to go over the results with you of my kids, the report my kids give me. So I'm going to go over that together, and it should be fun. For you. <laughs> All right, the last part of Proverbs 22.6 says, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, when we're reading the Bible, it's important to distinguish between promises and principles. There are two different things in the Bible, and sometimes we get them mixed up. A promise is something God says, I'm going to do regardless. It's going to happen. A principle is something where God says, you know, if you Put your energy towards this. If you stay focused on this, good things most likely will happen. Now, this verse that we're reading is a parenting principle. It is not necessarily a parenting promise. So we just need to understand that, okay? So here's what this verse does not mean. This verse does not mean if you train up your kids in how to love God, that they will never leave God's path. It doesn't mean that. It does not mean that if you train up your kids how to be on God's path and they veer off of God's path, that one day they will come back. It doesn't necessarily mean that either. They may not come back. I know that's kind of a a sad thing to think about, but parenting is not an exact science. Sometimes our best efforts don't produce the results that we would like to see. Again, our job as parents is to train up our kids And then when they step out into adult world, they step out from under our umbrella of protection and guidance, and they stand directly in line with God. And they answer directly to God for how they live their lives and the decision that they're going to make. So when that happens, we transition the authority for their lives over to them, and they're responsible for how they're going to live their lives and what they're going to do. It's not on our shoulders anymore. It's on their shoulders. And I wish that this verse was 100% guarantee. If you raise your kids up this way, they will always love God. They'll never turn away from him. And if they do turn away from him, they'll always come back. That's not necessarily what it's saying. There's a greater chance that that's going to happen. There is a high probability that that will happen if you train your kids in God's ways, but not always. There are some parents who I know I've spoken with who say, you know what? I, I feel like we've done a good job training our kids. And they're not doing so well. 
They're out on their own, and they're living lives that they shouldn't be living. They're very far from God. Now, if that's you, if you understand that or know somebody in that scenario, I just want to encourage you to free yourself of that guilt. And that's a responsibility that your kids have. Whether you've trained them up in God's ways or not, here's the reality about God's love for your child. God has infinite love for your child. And it's hard to imagine anybody else loving our kids more than we love our kids, but God loves your kid way more than you ever will. God loves my kids way more than I ever will. And God will use anything and everything to make it possible for our children to either start a relationship with him or come back to him. So if that's your situation and your kid's not doing so well right now, don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. Continue to pray that your child will respond to God's leadership, will respond to God's love, will respond to God's teachable moments in their lives. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and then our worship team is going to come out, and they're going to guide us through a powerful song called Surrender. And here's what I'd like us to do as we go through this song together, as we sing. You may be in a, a difficult parenting moment. You may be in a spot where you would say, you know what? It's heavy right now. Things aren't going as I planned. Things aren't happening the way I would like them to happen, whether your, your child is at home with you or, or out on their own. Maybe you would just acknowledge to God, like, I just need to surrender today. I just need to say, God, it's about you and your plan and your path and not about me and all of my efforts and things I can check off the box. It's about you and what you're going to do in their lives. So I just encourage you as we sing this song together to surrender your parenting. Surrender your child to God. Maybe you don't have kids. And maybe you would say, you know, maybe today you're in a spot, just a heavy moment. I encourage you to surrender that to God. Surrender your life to God and say, God, would you parent me like a loving parent that we find in, in Scripture? Scripture is full of passages that talk about God being a loving parent to us. So would you invite God to parent you this morning in a moment of surrender when you say, God, I, I give it all to you. I give you my life Would you parent me the way I need to be parented? So let's pray together. God, thank you for the incredible opportunity that we always have to learn. To learn from you, to learn about you, to learn how to live in a a real relationship with you. Lord, that you as a loving parent guide us and teach us So, Lord, I pray for our parents here today. I pray for the parents who are are struggling under the weight of that, that you would give them encouragement. Lord, that today that they, they might surrender their parenting to you. And maybe they've worked real hard and they've had this plan and yet they're realizing it, it hasn't been leading in a good direction and they need to make some course corrections Lord, I pray that today they would surrender to you and discover a new path for them to be on in their parenting. And Lord, for, for those who'd say, you know what, my kid, I feel like I've done a pretty decent job and my, my kid is off track. Lord, I pray for those kids that are off track with you. Lord, that they would respond to the teachable moments that you bring into their lives and they would come either back 
or they would respond and come to you for the very first time. Lord, and those of us who may not have kids and may need today say, you know what, God, I surrender. Surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I need you to guide me and be that parent for me. Lord, I just pray for those folks as well, that they would just wave the big white flag of surrender. So today, Lord, we declare our dependence upon you as as our loving heavenly father. Parent all of us in ways that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. What a sweet place to be at a place of surrender. I hope that was a great challenge for you this morning. If you take a seat, I have a few announcements for you this morning. As Trent mentioned, um, if you want to go deeper into what it means to be a godly parent, there's some great resources to help you. Um, Our spiritual growth challenge you can download at theepicchurch.com or pick one up at the Connection Center on your way out this morning. Surge, which is our student ministry, is going to camp this summer. They're going to go to an awesome camp called Big Stuff, and they're in that process of raising funds for the camp coming up in July. And a week from Saturday, we have the opportunity to support them. They're going to have a time at the Art and Soul studio to um, paint pottery, and for anybody, it's open to anyone, and the proceeds of that will go to help support their camp. So there's a flyer on the way out, so grab that flyer, and it would be a great opportunity to design that perfect cup for Father's Day or for a birthday coming up. Also, if you don't have a student that's going to camp, a great way that we can make an intentional investment in the life of a young person is to help support um, a student who is going to camp. So if you would be willing to help partner with us to support a student, you can give and do so online at theepicchurch.com or at one of the giving boxes in the back. And please just make sure you notate that, that that's for um, our summer camp. Also, we have um, a new feature on our website, and that is a calendar with upcoming dates and events. So be sure to check that out just to stay um, up to date with what's coming up at Epic, and that's at theepicchurch.com. One thing we talk about here a lot, and that is giving of our time and our talents and our resources in so many different ways. And one way we can give of our resources is giving back to God and and what he is doing here. And you can give online at theepicchurch.com or also at the giving boxes as well. And if you are new with us today, please don't feel any obligation to give. We just hope you've enjoyed the service today. And if you are a new guest, we do have um, a a small pack of information we'd love to give you that just shares a little bit about the heartbeat of Epic. Please swing by the Connection Center on your way out, and you can pick up one of those. Well, thanks for joining us here today. We hope you have a great day. And as you leave, please say hi to someone you haven't met yet. Have a great day.